I've never, ever been ashamed to say I lived in the West End. I've always been very proud of it. Wanda Johnson works for the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library and was born and raised in West End. Hear about this fiercely independent bookworm's journey in our second installment of the West End Stories Project. The child of a cook and a domestic, Tawanda Johnson is the second oldest of four. I used to have to walk to school every morning and every afternoon. But, you know, at the time we were latchkey kids. My mom worked. So I would get myself off to school. And when I came home, you know, I got my brother and my sister together. My mom had to have somebody she could count on. She worked every day. So, I mean, I had an older brother, and he, he could have been the one who was in charge doing those things, but he wasn't on it. Her mom is originally from Georgia and married her father at the age of 16. But like many relationships, theirs didn't last. She used to write her love stories. When I was a kid, I used to sneak in her room and read the love stories he wrote her. <laughs> he used to, I mean, they were very poetic, very poetic. It's amazing, some of the things he wrote about how much he loved her. They have all these big pictures where they used to go to the hotels and dress up in nine, jewelry across the throat, little dresses on, little low-cut black dresses on, you know. They're leaning against each other, just smiling, these big old grins. So they did have fun. They did enjoy themselves. It's just later on in life it didn't work out too well. He had issues, you know. He was an alcoholic. <sighs> he started out as a chef at one of the big hotels downtown. And then he just fell down the chute, more or less. Throughout the interview, Ms. Johnson talked a lot about her mom. I'm very proud of my mom. But she, she's, she's, to me, she, she did really well for a lady who had, you know, four children to be responsible for. And she handled it. She, she cleaned for a lot of private people, you know, different homes, and cooked for them, and watched their children, you know. And what really bothers me is when she worked the holidays. Oh, I used to hate that. I still think about that sometimes. Instead of her spending the holiday with us, she had to go elsewhere. But when she came home, we had a good time. When her and my dad split up, she went on to become an STNA. Just, you know, she, she, she really amazes me, some of the things she's accomplished herself. She didn't even know how to drive. She taught herself how to drive. You know, she used to take the bus. No, she didn't take the bus. She walked. She walked, and when she couldn't walk, then she took the bus because we had to worry about money at that time. It, it, it's impressive the things you have to do, when we, the things you do because you feel like you have to do. You don't have to always accept 
things that's not going right, you can just be strong and get on with it. And in all actuality, I think my degree of how I've lived my life is what I saw being raised by my father and my mom. She was always the strong one, and he was the weak one. So I grew up thinking, you don't need a guy to take care of you. You do it yourself. So that's how I've always, I've always, you know, used my life. I don't need anybody. I can, God's, God's out there with me. My mom's there. I'm good. <laughs> that's terrible, I know, but you, you have to do what you do to, what you have to do to survive. So that's how I've survived my world. Not feeling the need to have anybody I have to lean against. You know what I mean? So I can I cannot even imagine my mom not being in my world. It's just I I I just can't think about it. I mean I know it may happen one day, but it's not something that I, I put in my fourth fourth out. I don't think about it. You know what I mean? I know mm-hmm. she, in August she'll be 86. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm starting, starting to cry a little bit. In my mind, I'm, I think of she'll be around as long as I'm around. But if she's not around, I don't think I'll be around. Growing up, Ms. Johnson lived in the Lincoln Courts, a housing project built in 1942 exclusively for black families. It was a very friendly environment. Uh, we we all watched out for each other. I like that. I remember that. That makes me feel good. The older ones always took care of the smaller ones. And the neighbors always took care of the children where they knew the parents worked. So if you did something wrong, the neighbors let your mom know as soon as she comes into court. They did this. They did that. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. And that's how it was at that time. It, it was a easy. I think it was an easy raising because I and not one time felt afraid of my surroundings. It was nothing for us to go to school, come back home. It's just how it was, and we, we were never afraid of anybody messing with us either, because that did, that just didn't happen. We had a three bedroom apartment, and it was like one level. We didn't have a two level. There were some. They had upstairs and downstairs, but we were on one level. It had a, as you come into the living room, it had a deep closet that went all the way back to the front door. We used to hide from my father (laughs) back in the day. That's very unusual. I don't think they even have anything like that anymore. So you can, I guess it was your storage area. There was this one lady I used to live next to. I can't, I, I won't ever forget her. She was a young woman. She had, I want to say, four children, but she had a she had an apartment where you can go upstairs. She had two upstairs actually. She lived right next to us, so she used to go out, go out for the afternoon, evening, and she left her children alone. So they would sit in the window and cry every time she left. And we, as neighbors, used to kind of watch out for them to make sure nothing happened. And the surprising thing is nothing ever happened. She brought up safety a lot during our conversation. 
we used to have little um, little five and ten cent stores. There was a pharmacist around the corner where I used to live at, uh, and the pharmacist's name was Doc. So us girls, we used to skip around there every morning. He would give us peppermints. And this amazes me to this day because I could not imagine my child going and get candy from a stranger. He never, ever messed with us or said anything wrong. And that makes me feel really good that we had that first idea of how things should be and things aren't like that anymore. Two of her favorite places were the Regal and State Theater. My mom always had to work, so our joy was going to the Regal. We stayed in the Regal till she came home from work. The hot dogs was incredible. We would stay in there all day. Saw Smokey Robinson, OJs. I mean, name people, they were there. Of course, we didn't know they were all that. We just thought, wow. But it's incredible that we actually got to see these people up close. If it wasn't a Rico, we went to the state, which was on. That's another movie theater. So if something was on at the state as opposed to the Rico, we would go there. So we had choices of two places to go to entertain ourselves. And also there, nobody ever messed with you. It was okay for kids to go in by themselves. There was no issue or problems with someone saying something to them they shouldn't or them being afraid. Miss Johnson went to St. Joseph Catholic School and later to Seton High School, like another famous Cincinnatian. I went to St. Joseph from the time I was a little girl. And then our sister school was Seton, which is an all-girl school, Price Hill. And the boys' school was Elder, which is all boys' school. So, of course, you going to St. Joseph, it's automatically assumed you will be going to Seton. Seton was, like, um, so surprising for us. We're coming from an all-black school and going to an all-white school. And the ex- expectations wasn't hard, but I guess sometimes, you know, when you're not used to dealing with another group, it was different. For example, we were raised, we were taught by nuns, and our nuns did not play. We're talking about the heavy, you know, black and white collars and the clunky shoes and the rosaries around the waist. So if you didn't learn the correct way, you were going to get hit on the wrist with the ruler. And it was, it, at, in those days, it was okay, not a problem. So we were we were used to being made to learn. Let's put it that way. You better learn. You know, it wasn't if and and maybe. They didn't play. And then when we went to Seton, good school, wonderful school, we were all kind of selling each other, you know, like animals going around in a group looking at each other. What's that? What's that? I learned a lot from Seton. But I also knew when I got out of Seton, I didn't want a career, surprisingly. I wanted to make my own money. When you don't have a lot of money, you know, you just want to get out there and make more money as opposed to going to school. And anyway, that was my thing. I didn't want to go to school. 
my mother begged me to go on to college, but I really didn't want to. Melba Marsh went to Seton. She was actually my big sister. At that time, the seniors, when 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 the freshmen came in, the seniors had to pick a little sister, and I was her little sister. I was kind of pleased because she also graduated from St. Joseph. She's a West Ender. But for her to uh, start as a little brown child, go to Seton, and become a judge, that's huge. Both of her brothers went into the military, but her baby brother's experience really changed him. He was always a loner. I, I'm a loner, too. He, he, it's okay for him to be by himself and not interact with people. So he and I were, were, we were alike in that aspect. This, this is a source of pain for my mom. They actually went to the school he was going to in high school. And as soon as he graduated, as soon as he got his high school diploma, Marines just swept him up. And then at that time, they could do that without permission. They didn't have her permission to do that. And that really hurts her still to this day that that happened. And he not knowing what he was signing on to, he went straight out of school into the Marine Corps. I don't, I don't think that should be allowed, but I can't remember how old he was. He might have been 17, 18. But he wasn't, I don't think he was ready for that. He was a little immature. So I think he should have been allowed to grow into himself before he allowed him, before he decided to do that. He was there for about, I want to say two years, and then he he came back, but he was different. You know, he was, something wasn't there. So we don't really know what happened. He lived with my mom for a while, and then she had to move, so he moved into his own place. So after he moved from his apartment, we don't know where he went. He is missing. My mom tried to get a private detective, and nothing came of it. So I think about him a lot. Ms. Johnson also knew a library legend, Mary Finley, one of the first black librarians at the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library. Miss Finley was the fiercest little lady. When you first meet her, you think that she's mean and strict, but she had a, she had a little quirk about herself. When she knew you, she really, really enjoyed you. She didn't take any mess. You walked in there, you walked in there correct. <laughs> and you walked in there like a soldier. She's a sweet little lady, but of course you don't know that because that's not the persona she gave. She loved the kids, and she loved the library. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to come in there and get a whole bunch of books, and I had read all the fairy tales in the children's section, all the children's section books. So I went up to her and I said, well, can I go over to the teen section and start reading those, even though... I don't think I was a teen at the time, but I had just outread everything else. She said, no problem. So she allowed me to go over to the teen section and get teen books. I guess I shouldn't say this on 
tape, but it's true. My favorite thing to do is what I continue to do now, read incessantly. That was my way of escaping some of the things we didn't have and going someplace else. When she had her first child, she decided to move out of the West End, and it caused a bit of a riff. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you about this. When I decided to move out, she wouldn't speak to me for the longest time. She did not want me to leave. I said, Mom, it's time. 22 now. I got to go. I got a son. She was really upset. She loved him like crazy. He had her out. He had her, you know, he had her whip. She was just like, and maybe that was one of the reasons she didn't want me to leave, you know, because she wanted both of us there under her roof so she can continue to watch over us. So she reconciled with me eventually. When I asked her about the new coming attraction in the West End, she only hoped for one thing. I just want all nationalities to be able to go there and enjoy themselves. At first, I wasn't happy about it because I felt, honestly, how many blacks are going there or will be going there. Sometimes I feel like things are built just for Caucasians. I wouldn't want to go places where I would feel out of place. I mean, because there are places still right now you can go in and you get stared at. That shouldn't be. This is 2020. I want everybody to be united when they go into the stadium once it's completed. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the West End Stories Project. We'll be back with more stories from the West End. I'm getting too personal. (laughs) It's okay.